thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Inside the Champion's Mind with your hosts, Lawrence and Karen Tam. Welcome to Inside the Champion's Mind, a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in life, love, and legacy. Welcome to the show. We're your hosts, Lawrence and Karen Tam. I was speaking quite fast there. No, I didn't want to say anything because I've said that to you a couple of times now. So uh, I'm just so used to uh, talking so fast. So uh, I didn't realize who's I'm, beside me. I'm glad you self-acknowledged that. Yeah. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> We're just trying to you know, stop any arguments as uh, we talked about in the last episode. Uh, so anyways, the last episode, we talked a lot about arguments and we talked about um, you know, you know, know, vulnerability and also we talked about how we grew up and everything. And yes. one of the topics we wanted to talk about today is this, it's, man, it's like two depressing topics been back to back and so it's a di- more of a downer mode which is very rare from a champion's <laughs> mind perspective but i guess in order for us to be champions in our life in love and legacy we have to actually understand the dark sides of us and also the the parts of us that no one wants to talk about well because i think it's too easy all the time is that it's just like life is wonderful it's perfect you know and that doesn't help you when no. you're going through those periods of exactly. time so it is it is something we need to discuss Lawrence. yeah i think this is a this is a podcast really dedicating you helping you you know have the tools and resources and strategies to help you get you know to striving towards the champion's mind the keywords is striving it's not reaching the top at any point it's always constantly getting better and I, don't, better. I don't think you ever attain it do you no i don't think so either because yeah. i think once you get for any of us who are striving who are people who are looking to become better versions of themselves always find another person better version of themselves mm-hmm. once they find that so there's always another 2.0 version of yourself over and over again uh, I guess this topic kind of came up on, on the, you know, the talk that I gave, the speech, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the one summit, and it started out that conversation. And it's a big realization that I had, and I never really dive deep into my own story, because I know, I think I grew up in a relatively, um, you know, happy life, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, that there was no, you know, hardships compared to a lot of other people who might have had actually very difficult lives you know, maybe, you know, parents being divorced or there might have been some sort of abuse going through the family or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever challenges that I didn't have to experience. Um, and, but if I, the, the, someone mentioned this to me, and I can't remember who it is. Um, it might've been Philip McKernan, but he basically was saying it's, it's not so much that, you know, it's not the thing that causes you to be in a situation. It's actually how you felt. Yeah. As a childhood, like this is, because we all experience that feeling, like whether it be, you know, comparable to something else, it, you know, it might be not as bad, but it's not that that matters. It's actually how you felt at the time when you were a child, when you were five years old or eight years old or nine years old. And I remember clearly one of the things that, so my story goes is that, you know, when I was five years old, I moved to, um, I went from Canada and I moved to Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was in Hong Kong, you know, I, they speak a totally different language. They speak Cantonese and, and where I spoke English, you know, for five years of my life. And so I actually didn't have any communication skills until I started to learn Cantonese and then, you know, develop Cantonese over the next four years. And when I was nine years old, like, you know, my parents decided for us to come back for a variety of reasons that I won't go into today. But when I, but I know, because I think people are, who are regular listeners are thinking, I've heard this story before. Yeah. And I'm reminding you that because I know your memory sometimes goes on that. And right. I know, but I know this is just, I'm not trying to ruin your story because I know where you're going with it. And I just want people to say, hang in there. We're not going to be telling the same story. Yeah. It's, it's a different aspect yes. of it. And so, you know, some of you might have been here to talk before, but I'm going to get to the point is that basically when I was nine years old, I came back to Canada 
Um, but the problem was, was that I spoke Cantonese for the last four years and I lost most of, if not majority of my English. And so, which means that I came back to my own home country mm. and I couldn't speak or communicate with the language. And so, Which brings us to the topic the, for today. Well, exactly. Because when I went to summer school, mm -hmm. right? Because we had summer school during the time and while my parents were figuring out where we were going to live, um, I went to school for, you know, during the summer period um, with kids and you know, we had recess back then, if you mm -hmm. remember recess. And during those recess areas is, you know, we used to go and kids would go and play and stuff. But the problem was that I couldn't communicate and I couldn't communicate with my peers. I couldn't communicate with people. So I basically literally just sat, looked at my Timex watch and just counted down, mm -hmm. you know, the 15 minutes, you know, or 20 minutes, whatever we had uh, during recess. And and I, re I didn't remember it until I kind of looked back in my life. And that was a very, very lonely period of my time. I felt lonely. I felt like I was the only person in the world. And, you know, that feeling, I think, has occurred several times in my life, mm -hmm. you know, throughout my whole entire life. And I'm sure I'm not the only person who's ever felt that way before. No, I've got a picture. Now, now, <sighs> would, this, would, this, would this be around the time for people who are driving? I'm showing a picture of Lawrence wearing sexy long socks that he's got pulled up really high. He looks like he's had a ball stuck on his head and cut around the ball for the haircut. haircut. It is a bad That's haircut. A bad I'd haircut. want to share that one. Yeah. For it. Would this be about the time that we're talking about? Uh, it was probably a little, uh, yeah, I, probably a little, I was probably a little um, older <clears throat> than that. So I was probably about eight years old or so, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think you look a little bit introverted in that. You look a little bit lonely. In that you know, what's picture. interesting is that I was um, supposedly, I mean, I don't remember. I don't have a terrible memory anyways. But when I was a young kid, I was told that I was very extroverted. I was used to dance in front of people and be a performer for my, my grandparents and stuff. But something happened. I don't know what it was. I, I really don't know what it is. I, and I still can't uh, figure it out. Maybe it was the move or whatever. But I became very, very introverted. I was actually very introverted all the way through, um, all the way through pretty much high school. Mm -hmm. I was man i i was i was a geek i was a total geek in high school um and even through university i was quite you know only had one or two friends um even chiropractic college and you know even to this day like i'm i'm there's times where i just feel like i'm lonely and, the, yeah. and when i mean lonely i'm not like i'm saying like i'm the only person and i know i have a connection with a lot a lot of you but um one of the key things of the loneliness feeling when i was a kid was more that i always wanted to fit in right and that well, was that's the thing though too because you can be surrounded by a lot of people on all intents and purposes on the outside, mm. you know, people can think that that person's got a fulfilling life. They've got tons of friends. Mm. But if there's not any deep meaning behind it, if there's not any connectedness, mm -hmm. then I think there's a lot of people out there who are possibly feeling lonely and we would never know it by looking at the surface. Yep, absolutely. So there's, it's easy to pick out, you know, people said that they're lonely, quote unquote, lonely when they're mm. actually introverted. Right, because introverted people. Well, let's introverted. talk about that because both of us are introverted. Yes. Yeah. Now, I wouldn't say we're far. Like I know for myself, I took the Myers Briggs test back in university, and I'm right on the kind of the cusp between introvert and ex extrovert, but a little mm -hmm. bit more into the introverted side of things. Mm -hmm. So, for what that would mean for me is that um, it's draining for me being around people. Hmm. Extroverts will get so much energy going to parties, being around people. It just really pumps them up and it fuels them. But for me, I really have to get my headspace around large groups of people are being around people because I have to dig deep to find the energy that I need mm -hmm. to bring it up a level to appear more extroverted yeah. and to connect with people. And I love it. I do connect. I feel great. I feel, but then afterwards I will reach a point that I can't do it anymore. And I just need to retreat and I need to go home and I need to sit in a quiet room and read a book or I just, 
Like I couldn't go to a party one night and do it two nights in a row. I just could not do that for me because it just takes too much energy out yeah. of me to do that. Yeah, it's once a year. <laughs> <laughs> I know. One of us should be more extroverted. It would make well, it a lot easier. Well, you know, like if I had to qualify that, I'm probably a little bit more extroverted than you, but I'm still you on are. the introverted scale. That's funny though, because we were watching this video about introverts and extroverts and the, what did they call it? The Irish exit. The Irish exit, And yeah. that is so us, because if we go to a party, I'll reach the point where I'm just like, I I've given it all. I don't have anything else to go. I need to go. And I will just leave. I do not want to say goodbye to anybody. That's it. I'm gone. Whereas like Lawrence will need to spend another 45 minutes going around and personally saying goodbye to everybody. And I can't, I can't do that. If there was a window, I would bail out backwards and I'd be gone. I'm like, I'm like what is that? White shadow. White shadow. Yeah. You wouldn't find me. <laughs> I actually tried the Irish exit, uh, the, you know, not too long ago, actually, and something we went to. And it actually felt really good. So maybe we should try that more often. So no offense to those people. If you're time for Irish yeah. exit. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I don't I know why it's called that. Because that's what Irish people do. <laughs> yeah. This is coming from an Irishman, by the way. Yeah, is this true? From, yes. Are our Irish oh. listeners? Is this is this what happens? I know I several know. Irish friends, and uh, this is exactly what they do. They just kind of just. Well, I do have some yeah. Irish heritage, so maybe that's where it comes from for me. <laughs> and being I, introverted. <laughs> I don't think I have any Irish heritage no. in me. So uh, we should get back on track, though. Loneliness. Yeah. So being lonely, loneliness. Uh, the loneliness. The introverts are, are very easy to pick out, but the extroverts, yes. though, uh, I think, can also feel the same thing, just in mm. a different context, right? Extroverts are people who typically. You know, love, they gain their energy and they need that energy of actually being surrounded by a lot of people. But oftentimes they, they can also feel that loneliness when they're surrounded by a whole bunch of people. But unfortunately, they don't actually have a really deep, they, what they yearn for is the deep connection, yeah. right? Which is what an introvert wants too as well. Mm -hmm. But they, the extrovert is that they on the surface may appear that they actually have a lot of massive amounts of connection, but in the deep level of connections that they actually don't. If they don't have the tools to do that. Exactly. And, so and I think it's also too, it's hard for the extroverts and the introverts because sometimes if we're really good actors or actresses, it seems like you would look at them and just say, they must have so many friends. They just have such a fulfilling life. And then you don't bother to invite them to things mm. or to say, do you want to go grab a cup of coffee? Because you probably just think, you know, they're, they're, they've got so much. They're not going to, they're not going to want to hang out with me when in essence, they probably would very much like to have somebody ask them for a cup of coffee or yeah. ask them. Especially to introverts, right? Because we're almost like introverts are usually typically going, it's they're hard, waiting right? for someone to invite them in. Which you can't do. Right. Exactly. That's exactly what yeah. the fault is, right? Where the extroverted thinks most people look at an extrovert and go, you know, I'm, I know we're very, being, being very stereotypical here, but an extrovert, you look at an extrovert and it's like, well, he doesn't have, he, he or she doesn't need more friends. So therefore you don't ask. Well, it's almost like they have so many friends, you feel like you may not cut it to yeah. be part of their friend exactly. circle or their circle and area. that you're waiting for them to ask you whereas they could be just silently inside just saying you know i wish somebody would ask me yeah and I it's like the, chefs you never want to, anybody who's a chef or a cook i never invite them for dinner yeah and because, did, because i'm just like oh <laughs> well, they will criticize everything i won't be able to do it good enough for well, them that's what you know like, let's talk about damien christoph for a second right damien i remember first time when we met damien um you know because he was so into <laughs> health and nutrition <laughs> And I remember clearly been saying to the, this to him, he was saying, you know, like, um, he goes, oh, I just feel embarrassed for you to come to our house because you get to see, you know, or, or even you preparing a meal for Damien. You I was like, so what stressed. do I cook for him? That's right? not. <laughs> and Damien's like, I hate that when people 
you know, he hates it when people sort of have that expectation of him, like, you know, that you can't prepare something because what he wants, he just, he just loves good food. There's no, he's no judgment. He's not judging yes. your cooking or anything. But that's in our minds, our, our minds exactly. thinking that this exactly. is how it's going to be. Yeah. But that's, you know, go back to my childhood as a kid. It's like, you know, I had to make a call there, right? It's like, do I constantly wait for someone to come to me, which is never going to be, you know, never going to happen. Yeah. Or do I actually have to go outside my comfort zone to actually create the relationship that I want? But as a human being, most humans out there, I would imagine you listening and watching this show is that you strive for deep connections that's what you're really looking for right it's not about how many people you hang out with mm -hmm. but like looking for deep connections well you think about like biologically like back in the caveman days and stuff that's that's what held us together that's what meant your survival hmm. was staying in a group your pack and it was that closeness and that bond and you really relied on all of that but now fast forward we're in a technology age most people can work remotely from home you don't have that workforce around you. We're even in a workforce too with the internet and everything else. It's more and more disconnected and yeah. so fast paced that people don't have the time to get down and get honest about things that it's, it's almost causing this underlying fracture in my mind. Well, it's, it's, it's so aspect. interesting, isn't it? That we're more connected. <laughs> but we're more disconnected. But we're almost disconnected. And I think yeah. we've had a couple of discussions that on, on Inside Champions Minds yeah. uh, previously. But uh, my, my feeling on this is that as well is that we – I mean, I, for me, as a, as a kid, or even as I grew up, even in high school, man, I, in high school, I had the worst time in high school. I went to an all-boys school. You know, I was the, the typical, you know, Asian nerd um, <laughs> who wasn't even that smart. I, I don't mean to laugh. I don't know why. Yeah, it starts making no, me giggle. <laughs> trust me, um, there are no photos of me in high school. <laughs> oh, I probably um, can find some. <laughs> I burnt them all. And uh, yeah, I've never shown them anyway because I'm still embarrassed by them. But, you know, for me, though, like I was always looking to fit in. Even in universities, I was always like the kid just on the outskirt. You know, I was just not right. And I was always wanting to fit in. And I think there's still to that extent, me for me now, to want to fit into groups. And I like actually to this day, for sure, absolutely. Um, we, I remember we talked about, um, you know, we talked about the mastermind talks, you know, how I was, you know, invited to, be, you know, with 150 entrepreneurs. And it's like- it's That feeling so, of insignificance. Feelings, yeah, it was that imposter syndrome of yeah. just feeling like, oh, who am I here to be here? And mm. that, but, I, but it's what I want. I want to fit in. But I don't feel like I have the value to, to actually be fit, fitting into this group. Or this, mm, I almost this feel like you're looking on the window like, hey, guys, let me in. Let me Absolutely. Stay. That's you the know? exact feeling that I have. Majority yeah. of the time, it's like I'm looking from the outside, but I want to be in that party, but yeah. I'm not in that party. But the thing is, what I realized just in the last few months, actually, is recognizing going, asking the one essential question. Why do I actually want to be in that group? Like, what drives me to want to be there? Is it just because of status or is it do I actually want to be because those are the people I actually want to hang out with? And that's a really important question to have. And I really recognize that certain groups I wanted to be in yeah. is actually have nothing to do with what I really want. Because now that, you know, because I've been in, in certain groups mm -hmm. and then realizing, going, what am I doing here? That's not the group for you. I thought that's what I wanted. Yeah. But that's not who I am. But that's good, though. It gave you some clarity. Like, you realized then that absolutely that self-reflection onto it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is like, that was such an important realization for me is that I've I spent my whole entire life, like, literally my whole life, looking outside, looking in, wanting to be in the in crowd, mm -hmm. and then trying to get in. And then now I'm realizing that I'm taking that one extra step and going, asking the question, like, why do I actually want to be in, in the in crowd? Mm. And then that changes everything now because then you start to go, whoa, wait a second, forget about the in crowd. Like, where are the people that I want to hang out with? Yeah. And then go to there because they're the ones who make me happy. Those are the where I deep get the deep connection. Because even when I'm in, 
I'm still on the outskirts because either I've idolized myself fully in mm -hmm. themselves or I don't feel like they always see me as an outsider. Isn't that funny? Because when I was younger, I was with the popular girl. It was mm -hmm. us. And I didn't like the way she treated other people. Mm. And I made a conscious effort that I removed myself from that group. Almost a champion, the underdogs, if you want to. They weren't underdogs. They were people just like anybody else. But I think that's a common um, life thread for me is not neglecting other people and making other people feel left out. And maybe that's because I've moved around a lot. And I know how hard it is when you keep entering new places, new schools, new communities, because for some people, and, it, and it's not a negative thing, for some people, they have lived in the same area their entire life. They've grown up in the same town. They've got their friendship circle. They know everything. And they don't, they wouldn't think how it would feel for somebody who's yeah. coming into the area, who's new, because they've never been in that situation before. And they don't think to extend, and it's not everybody, it's a generalization. Hmm. But from my experiences, I found they don't necessarily think to extend, um, friendship offerings, little tidbits that would help you get into the crowd. And it's really difficult when you're new to an area and you're in that situation to get into these groups. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it, you then have to put yourself outside your comfort zone and put yourself in situations that allow you to maybe control it a little bit more and to manipulate it. And manipulate sounds a bad word, but I do think it's a skill we need to learn. Um, for Kaya, for example, when she came last year or it, to any school, she's moved several schools now. Sometimes it can be quite difficult. Kids can be great. They can instantly bond and have friendships. And you think, gosh, it's so easy for them compared to adults. Mm. I don't know why that is. But sometimes too, it can be hard to get into friendship groups. And if you sit there waiting for people to call you up for play dates or, you know, invite you around to birthday parties and to do all these things, mm. <clears throat> you can sit there waiting a long time being unhappy. And I know we've had to teach the kids that is that we've had to be very proactive and organize events and contact people and create situations that have allowed these friendships to foster and to do that and not to sit passively by. Yeah. I mean, I don't think everybody just, I don't think many people are actually every day going out there like, I'm looking for a deep connection today. You know, like that's not how people function, right? Yeah. And so, you know, in order to create deep relationships and deep connections with people, it's, it's longevity. It takes time to build like any relationship. What we're looking for is almost like, oh, you're so connected to me. You know, oh, I'm, you know, like, I get I you. And I get so, that, but I think it's sometimes hard as well, because if you feel like you're constantly putting yourself out there and yeah. it's almost like fishing, you're constantly fishing, trying to lure in a friend <laughs> yeah. and there's no bites. Then after a while, that itself, and you, it's that, tiring, it's tiring. And yeah. it's also almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in that you then you want to give up. And it's very easy and not, to get. not do that anymore. But the challenge is that it is that you know constantly reminding yourself that in order to actually create any relationship, you know the, the energy and effort has to put put into it. Just like you know us, you know when we first started, we had to put in the energy and relationship, mm -hmm. and energy into the relationship. Well, relationship with a friend or you know deep connection with other people still requires us to kind of take the effort and time to make those connections. Sometimes it's a small little messages, and yeah, it might feel like one way for for quite some time. Yeah. At the end of the day, though, if it's a worthwhile relationship to pursue, you know, with no hidden agenda, but other than you know this person, I feel like I you know you know find um, find intriguing that I want to build a deep connection. It's just continually you know, allowing them to actually continuing to work on that relationship. And that relationship sometimes takes time because they're on, on the other end, they may not be looking for any deep relationship, but that's not what they're thinking about. Or their friendship plate might be full and it's not what, what they're 
Yeah, because they got their time and energy, time. and they they got you know they, exactly mm-hmm. with the time and energy they they might not have the time and energy to space. And I think it's important to think that I don't think they're going out of their way to mm. exclude you or to not include you. Which in your mind you can start thinking, what is what's wrong with me? Aren't I good enough? Aren't I you know yeah. why why don't they like me? Mm-hmm. And I don't even think they're even thinking about you. No, I would say everybody's thinking about themselves. The majority <laughs> of the time, we were just thinking about ourselves, and I think it's important to know that as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and it's, it's no different than, um, I think what happens is that when we put people in pedestals as well. And so when you put someone in a pedestal, you, you in a higher pedestal than you, you think that, you know, that they're, they're a lot harder than you, but they're just remembering that everybody's a human being, you know, just I met, regular people. Yeah. You, you, I met some, you know, amazing high profile people, but really they're just human beings. And when you actually get to talk to them and you go, wow, they, they're just regular people, not the, yeah, the, same the insecurity, ex- same things. Yeah, I even have- think those, it must be hard for those people. They must be feeling loneliness as well because people just think I can't approach them or I can't really talk with them and they must feel so isolated. Oh, exactly. Trying to find people who just want to be friends with them for who they are, not yeah, for not because what, of the fame or just want to take money, a picture with yeah. you or something. And, yeah. and that's really tough. And a lot of people... Um, you know, it's funny. Like this, I'm, this is such a weird thing. Um, I remember we were at the wellness summit, and I was literally walking back towards the room. I was kind of walking, and there was this other person that was walking, and it was just, it was just kind of an awkward moment. We're just kind of standing beside each other, walking towards the door, and then I remember I just kind of quickly walked faster, just to kind of make a joke. I'm like, I'll beat you to the door, right? And then she's like, then she kind of laughed, and then she goes, because oh, oh, I don't remember what she said. She said something like, so, uh, uh, she said, goes. She goes. My heart's kind of racing because I feel like I'm, um, uh, I'm like a, a fan. In, uh, like she, she's a big fan or something like that. And I'm like, really? Like she was so basically. Her, you're looking like, around. You're like, where? Who? Me? Yeah, yeah, me. Like she's she was so so scared to to kind of just say hello because she just put me on a pedestal as if yeah. I was someone completely you know that un, is unreachable. And I make a point, especially on those. I make a point in everything that I do. Says that you know who I am on stage is who I am you know off stage and. You know, I don't want to be known as the the person who speaks and stuff. Like, please come to talk to me. Um, but there's that, but that's the challenge sometimes because a lot of speakers that I know is that a lot and a lot of people actually go up to them because mm-hmm. they people see them as like this level that they don't have anything important to say to them. So yes. therefore, they don't actually approach them. But for them, they're thinking like, how come no one's talking to them to me? You know, and so I know that that actually goes on because of that pedestal thing because we we position people on a certain level. But really, at the end of the day, I think we need to remember that. All of us are just human beings. Mm-hmm. All of us are looking for deep connections and, um, you know, and having that understanding because it may not work. Maybe the speaker you talked to was an ass or whatever. Yeah. That's fine. We just move on. But, you know, not everybody has that same thing. Some people have ego. Some people, you know, try to, you know, keep their ego at bay. But everybody's different. I, I think, think it's, it's, it's so interesting, too, because sometimes we've seen people on stage and they seem so extroverted. Mm. And then when they get off stage and you talk with them, you realize they're quite introverted. Yes. And you have to kind of change your tactic in speaking with them and stuff because, you know, I think we observe people and their persona they put off mm-hmm. and we judge that's who they are as a person. Yes. And we don't really get to know them mm-hmm. until that deeper conversations and connections is when we're dealing with them. Yeah. And I think this is why like podcasts and things are a little mm-hmm. bit different because you have more time to actually, you know, connect with us. And, and it's a longer period of time where, you know, over an hour or, you know, a period of time, it's not, uh, it's very, it, you know, you, you just get a snapshot of that person. But over a hundred episodes, you kind of get a different facet because you start to see different sides of it. And it, even people have made comments on, on you know, uh, ever since episode 101, when you first started, you know, they're seeing a completely different side of me that's, um, you know, softer or whatever it is. I never realized I was so hardcore, but, you know, that they're seeing a different side of me because of the energy and the feminine energy that you're bringing to the, to the picture as well. So, which is interesting, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, so where, where, where do we go from here? So in the sense of things, one of the things is that it's so important. That I think the loneliness also carries through is, um, as, as adults, it can be quite tough. I think because it can lead to a lot of different problems. And there was a study that on um, that I was reading. I don't know exactly who who came out the study, but I'm reading this book called Grit by um, what's Ange- it? what's it called Grit Grit, Grit uh, by Angela Duckworth. And Angela Duckworth was talking about this particular study about you know rats and and dogs actually. And you're not going to like this oh, no, experiment, no. but there was an old experiment where they <laughs> they rep- which they replicated with rats. But in the old experiment was that they actually had um, dogs and they put into these electric um, uh, of floors and what they did was they had five seconds of shock but there's two scenarios one with that they would put these dogs and if they shocked them but they if they just put their nose in something the sh- shock would stop like, what so do you mean put their nose in something in, in against a wall or something like i can't remember what they, they did, did a behavior they did, they did a certain behavior they, they figured they, it out they did a behavior yes. and the shock would stop so okay. the pain would stop whereas they the other one and the other one the scenario was that no matter what the dog did it, it, would it would still, it would it still be there. It didn't matter. Yeah. So then they actually, later on, a couple of weeks later, they would put them in a different situation, same situation where the, they can hear the electric shock start to come. Mm-hmm. And so the dogs who were in control, they, they actually could create the change, you know, leapt above the wall or whatever it was. They basically, were, they knew that they can control the outcome. So they're conditioning the dogs, if I'm getting this yes, right. They're, they're conditioning, conditioning the, dog. the dogs with two sets. One set knew that they had control over there. Yes, their and, life of their, of their situation. Of their situation. The other, other set was led to believe that they had no, no control, control over anything, and it didn't matter what they did. That's right. It was going to be a negative experience. That's for right. Them. So the one dog that had control, may, you know, would find ways to figure it out. Yeah. And then the ones that you know didn't have control just basically laid down and just took it. That just gave up. Yeah, just pretty much gave up. Not all of them, though. That was the interesting part. Not all of them did. Only a portion of them, some of them, a portion of them, I can't remember what the percentage, would still continue to try to find ways. And they mm-hmm. were trying to find goes, what makes those dogs more resilient and yeah. more have more grit, where it's, some dogs are just give up, just will take the shock for five seconds because they know they can't do anything about it. And that, you know, the, the differentiation between the two. And the, the thing was, you know, what, what some of the conclusion was when you think about it is that that's what's called learned helplessness. Is that we, you know, if we had grew up in a childhood uh, and through circumstances thinking that we have no control over our lives or situations mm-hmm. or emotions, like say loneliness or just that we, you know, you know, I've tried everything, you know, I've tried everything to to, to make this work, and so no one wants to be friends with me. Yeah. And if you if that if that self that self talk continues, that, it becomes your mantra. That becomes the wiring of your brain, and then yeah. therefore you won't even try anymore because that's the learned helplessness mentality, which means that he's like, oh, well, it's uh, this has always been me. And we see that over and over again. And that, I'm sure there's characters of me yeah. that I haven't broken away from because I felt that, like, well, that's just me, you know. Oh, that's um, what I worry about with labels. Or are you going to say something? Well, sorry. Like, for example, yeah. right, grammar, right? Yeah. My Chinglish, right? People have been making fun of me in the last five years, <laughs> right? I just kind of took it for the first little bit. I just took it. And it goes, I'm never great in grammar or yeah. language. And I just sort of go, you know what? That's just who I am. Yes, that's, I've called you on that. It's so easy. That's the problem that I have. It's that that's a label. Is that once we, it's nice to label ourselves to understand ourselves, but mm-hmm. then when that label prevents you from being able to do stuff, because I, you'd say to me that that's just, that's just how I am. That's my English, and yeah. I'm like, but it doesn't have to continue to be. Like, why are you then stopping? Mm. You can make an every effort to improve past that point yeah so i mean in order for me to cope with beginning was i actually started doing videos more so than writing and so i didn't write very often but in the last couple years i challenged myself to actually write more (laughs) and um 
and actually been getting a lot of good great feedback from the writings that I do, some of the blogs that I'm writing. And then that causes the re- positive reinforcement and that get, I can do this. And that's the when the rewiring starting to occur. And now I believe in myself is that, hey, yeah, I might not be the greatest, you know, English grammar writer, you know, in terms of things, but I'm actually improving. And this is where the, the study starts to go is that, you know, um, uh, on uh, Mindset, you know, by Carol Carol Dueck, uh, I think that's the name. That's her name. I don't um, know. And, and so she 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 basically talked about, um, and from a resilience point of view, is them having the not a fixed mindset, which means that people who have a fixed mindset that you're never going to improve. Mm. You are, you whatever your talents you have or whatever mark you are, you're, you're either smart or you're dumb, right? Versus the, you know, the, the mindset of that you can improve this. You know, you can't, no matter how dumb or smart you think you are, you constantly have to challenge yourself to know that the, the, with the hope that you can do this. And that's what that mindset is, is what makes people successful in parenting and in, in, in your job and your careers and everything else. And that whole entire mindset is completely different than the learned helplessness. I like to think of it like a sliding scale because I don't think we're at, always at just one point. Like people say, there's life or there's death. There's mm-hmm. one or the other, but there's not. There's a sliding scale. And there's a sliding scale for everything in life because you're either a little bit more to the left or a little bit to the right, but you are never just constantly, you shouldn't constantly be staying in that same spot because if you're not making changes, then you're actually slipping more to the left, going yep. more into the negative, going down. And if you are making changes, you're going more to the right. And I think it's important to know where that resilience is. There's always that, it's like a dance. There's mm-hmm. that constant movement that is available. Well, I, I like to think of it as almost, you're absolutely right. I'll, I'll, I'll add something to that is that it's the direction that you're going. Direction. Very so, good. Lines. Yeah. So no matter yes. if, if from a scale to zero, you know, say, say zero to 10, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really matter what number you're at because that's, you know, that's just at the snapshot of that point. Yeah. But I'd rather be a two moving towards 10 than an eight moving towards zero. And so- that's the key. It's the directional point of view of where you're going. And that's the, the resilience that we need to kind of develop. And why, how does this relate to loneliness, right? Well, loneliness- I forgot we were talking about loneliness. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, back you know, to the, loneliness. You know, it's loneliness is just one aspect mm-hmm. of the feeling and emotions that you feel. What I'm saying is that what these studies have shown and, and how we act in that state matters. Because if you're locked in to a state or, of that you're you can't help, like you're just relying on someone else to help you rather than you helping yourself and taking actions and start to chip away. Like I said, you know, sir, it takes a lot of freaking effort to actually go out and meet different people in certain groups or to kind of build those relationships. And sometimes you fail, but you got to be okay with those failures back up again. and keep on going and develop and continue trying different aspects and different people until you get yourself out. And so the point of it is that you can either stand still and take it, you're feeling the emotion that the negative feeling that you have, or you can create other ways and create a different self-talk inside your help, uh, inside your head and actually create a new identity for yourself, mm-hmm. right? And constantly pursue whatever things you're challenging for whatever it might not even be loneliness but it might be something absolutely completely different but the whole goal is how do you have enough resilience to continue to strive and know that you're in control of your situation of your life and having that knowledge of knowing that you and having that hope that you have control of your life is a very very powerful thing so I think for a lot of things, it feels outside our control because people might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, my father's had this accident or this happened to my mother. I have no control over this. And it's very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But uh, you were saying to me the other day that it's important to then look at what do you have control over in your life? Mm-hmm. 
and to put your focus and your time and your energy into that instead of all the emotions and and the stuff that you can't change. Like your mind's on obviously going to go to those things and it is important to acknowledge those feelings, but to stay in that state isn't serving you or anybody else mm. to do that. Yeah. And, and back to more our last podcast is that stop being so reactive, but being proactive on the decisions that you can make, which is all the things that you can control, mm-hmm. right? And having that thought process to actually think, because what we typically do, and I'll leave it with this, is that when something goes right, we will take attribution to ourselves. It's because of me, mm-hmm. right? But when something goes wrong, what we typically do is going, it's something else. It's your <laughs> fault, the environment's fault, something happened, but you mm-hmm. never blame yourself. And what I'm asking is, it's always in your control. Like in a sense, you can't control certain things, the environment, yes. raining, sun, whatever, you can't control that. However, what you can control is, you know, what did you, what could you have done differently but that was within your grasp. How you behave, how you saw it, how you acted, mm-hmm. how you, you know, we talked about that in the last episode. All those things are still within your control, even when things go wrong. I think that is what champions do, is to be able to reflect and know, and then course correct and adapt accordingly so that you're you're constantly improving and becoming a champion in your life. It's like sailing, tacking away, <laughs> or in a plane, <laughs> you put your life mask, you put that air mask on you first. Yeah, instead of blaming yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Guys, um, it's, uh, you know, I hope that you enjoyed this particular podcast on, you know, on, I don't even know what topic we've gone on. We've gone on loneliness, loneliness and we talked about resilience and yes. a whole bunch of things. So um, go to facebook.com inside, slash inside the champion's mind. Like it there, comment there, and love to hear your side of things. You know, have you ever felt lonely? Have you ever felt any difficult challenges that you had to go through? Um, maybe share your side. And I know you might not want to do it publicly, then maybe message us. I'd love to hear your side of things too as well. Go to Wellness Couch, obviously, to hear this particular podcast uh, and subscribe to us on iTunes because, um, you know, people, and, and actually more importantly, share share tell this your friends yeah. tell other people tell about them. this podcast they're missing out yeah i think that if you're getting value from it i think they'll most likely get some value out of it too and then you can have a great discussion point and form a deeper relationship this has been inside the championship mind a show dedicated to helping you overcome mediocrity in the pursuit of being world-class in life love and legacy i'm lawrence and i'm karen see you on the next episode This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the